0: Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and of course, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. Matt, the time has come and gone. The 2023 draft is behind us. The Jets now have a new class of rookies going through and counting here. I believe seven in total added to their draft, despite only entering the draft with five picks uh, to begin with. We got a bunch of new Jets to talk about. I'm very excited about this class overall. We've had a couple of days to digest, go over instant reactions, surprise in many cases, and really try and evaluate how these guys fit into the roster and how they're going to fit into this team first things first I just want to get your reaction because I know you like me on draft night were very surprised that this ended up being their pick at 15th overall in the first round Will McDonald an edge rusher from Iowa State definitely not the position we were uh, thinking about throughout most of this offseason offensive tackle was towards the top of that list maybe defensive tackle here and there but we never really even thought of the idea of them drafting an edge rusher until almost about the draft, and even then we thought it might be late. Lo and behold, it's 15th overall, and they take <laughs> this
1: freak of nature, Will McDonald. What was your reaction? Uh I was first a little surprised. Well, actually, not really that surprised, because I feel like even before the draft, we we're like, you know it's the most like Jets move ever? Take an edge at F-15. So it was kind of like a joke to us at the time, but in the back it, of it our head, It was take sauce of- at four all over again. Yeah, exactly. We, we kind of... Like, hmm, you know what? Actually, it makes sense. Maybe take an edge at 15. Um, So I was a little surprised, but at the same time, not surprised at all. Uh, And the fact that we went with Will McDonald just makes so much sense uh, because of what he can do. I had a late first, early second round pick uh, grade on him, uh, mostly because I felt a lot of his game was projection. Projecting him to what we would use him as, which is what Sala even said in the call with him, is a wide nine edge rusher, and I he spent a good amount of time on the inside uh, at Iowa State, uh, and he still produced, but at the same time, like I wanted to see more work outside to be more sure. So the I, I because of that projection, I always put safety. A little bit higher than than uh, potential, uh, so I dropped him for that reason. But that does not change the elite skill set that he has. The fact that he is a incredible athlete with great length and also incredible bend. Th- this guy has everything you want in an edge rush in a, in, a, in an edge rusher, except for maybe the the size and power. That's probably the like the one thing that you can knock him at. Uh, and you, that's kind of why I was also a little surprised it was him, because I remember hearing the the coaches and, and yep. maybe even J.D. say like what they love in an edge rusher is power. Yep. And, and that was
0: Aaron Whitecotton. I know exactly what you're referencing. You're referencing, I believe it was a clip from One Jets Drive last year when they were talking about Jermaine Johnson. And how they were scouting him Mm -hmm. and they ended up taking him in the first round. And they were talking about how, you know, guys with elite bend and agility and change of direction, that's effective. But statistically, most sacks in the NFL are a result of power rushes rather than speed rushes. And I think that that is true. But I also think the skill set of a guy like a Will McDonald who has that bend and that agility and that speed is more rare, which is why those guys are more coveted.
1: And who is the most productive pass rusher on our defense uh, uh, in our edge room last year. Bryce Huff? Bryce Huff, <laughs> who is not power. He is also pure speed. Uh, and also, the the idea of the sub packages now with Will McDonald and Huff as both our, our bookend edge rushers uh, is kind of a scary thought. <laughs> the the mm-hmm. I, uh, Good luck to the defenses. You're going to have to chip and double team these guys, and great that that leaves And leave uh, Q one on one leave Q one on one. So uh I, I I love the pick. I love the guy. Uh it it wasn't too much of a surprise and I think he's gonna be a great fit. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh,
0: I really think so, too. I, before I get too in-depth with breaking down who Will McDonald is as a player, I want to bust some narratives first uh, because I want everyone to to understand this pick because it was a surprise. It absolutely was a surprise. You may have been less surprised at the position than you know other people. I really didn't think they were going to take an edge that high. I thought that they would certainly look to fill a need and get more of an ideally an instant impact player in the first round. But this is the the first narrative I want to bust that he was overdrafted. And let me tell you why that isn't the case. Matt, we've spent a long time for these last couple of months leading up to this draft, making one point very clear to everybody in a different sense of the Jets don't have as many draft picks and this class is lacking star talent. So let's not be expecting 2022 all over again. But this was a draft that didn't have a lot of blue chips. This was a draft that didn't have a lot of elite of the elite, gold star, you know, they are going to be a pro bowl candidate from day one and be one of the better players at their position in the league. Eventually type of guys, there wasn't many, there was maybe three or four at at different positions. And after that, you know, there was guys that had some amount of question attached to them. Even the quote unquote, best, most talented safe player in the class. And Jalen Carter had a bunch of off Mm field questions to answer. So there was, this is not a class where there's all of this talent that was just waiting to be had ahead of will mcdonald the guys that were rated after the top 10 were a lot closer in actual grade to the guys that were in the 40s than they were to the guys in the top 10s and that's where people are getting lost with this this class was deepest and always was deepest in rounds two to four the back half of the first round when teams and we've talked about this before matt too no team in the nfl has 31 32 first round grade cynical draft class no one None of them. That's not how the NFL works. If you have 32 players every single year that you're saying are first-round caliber players, that's the greatest draft class in the history of the NFL if it's got 32 first-round caliber prospects in it. After you get to about 15 to 20, and it depends on the team, and it depends on need in their own specific board, once you get that far out of the first round, the grades of where people have on varying boards are all over the place. You could have a guy like Will McDonald, for instance, who on the Jets board— was likely one of the 15 best players available because if there was anybody else available that hadn't been picked in the first 14 picks knowing the jets they probably would have taken that player so we have to assume that Will mcdonald was at least 15th overall on their board another team could have had him 22 another team could have had him 37 depending on scheme depending on how they fit but the difference in quality of player is not as drastic as many people are making it out. I've heard a lot of people saying they took a guy who was mainly projected to go in the second round. Yeah. Okay. In a class in a draft class that doesn't have many first round caliber players. So some guys that are second round, quote unquote, caliber guys are going to be pushed up and go in the first round. And conversely, you're going to have guys that are way better than they should be going further in the draft because you have a lot of second and third and fourth round rated players. As we saw with this class, as we move on further down the board, some guys get pushed down and go later than they should. It happens both ways. Will McDonald ended up 37th overall on my final board, which is about a high second round pick. Based on my grading scale, he was a solid second leaning towards the the high second round fringe first round territory in a weaker draft class. But then you have to look at his skill set like we were talking about earlier. That bend, that explosion, that ability to dip and and make corners short and take away an offensive tackle's ability to stop you is very rare and very valuable. And if you're looking at it from the sense of instant impact, what if, there's no guarantee a first round offensive tackle would have even started for the Jets as much as we all wanted to believe it, as much as we were all on board and I'm not going to sit here and be a revisionist and be like, oh, you know, it wouldn't have been a right move. There was a guy worth taking. And I, on my personal board, there was, you know, I probably would have went offensive tackle. Dewan Jones, character concerns came out of nowhere and he fell. But before the draft, I didn't know any of that. I would have taken him at 15 and I would have been happy with it. But we can sit back now and say, even still, Makai Becton's there. He's expected to probably be the starting right tackle. Dwayne Brown's back for another year, started most of last season, expected to be back again and healthy. So there's all these other guys that could have been in place. There's no guarantee that was going to start. You know what is going to make an impact this year when the Jets have a lead and their defense forces a third and nine, and you can put Bryce Huff and Will McDonald on either edge.
1: That's going to make an
0: impact. That's going to be felt year one. That's going to be something that helps this team win right now. This is much more of a win now pick than I think anyone realizes. I think everyone's thinking they have so many edge rushers that he's not going to be playing that amount of snaps. So be it. The moments that are the brightest, the moments that are the most important, Will McDonald is going to be felt, and I 110% believe that. I don't have any issues whatsoever over how high this guy was drafted because he's an absolute freak athlete. He fits the arguably the second most important position in football behind quarterback. It's guys who get after the quarterback. Quarterbacks, pass rushers, pass blockers. Those are the three most important things in football. Edge rushers right up there and a dangerous guy who collects sacks and bunches. That's even more rare. I- I'm, not, I'm not feeling whatsoever that this guy was overdrafted. I think it was a perfectly fine pick. I think for the Jets board, for what they want, for what they value, knowing the quality of this draft class, Will McDonald going 15 this year is a heck of a lot better than Will McDonald going 15 in some other years. This was nowhere near as big of a reach as people were making it out to be.
1: Yeah, I like something you said there, how when we need him on the field, he will be there. Uh, because I've seen a lot of people saying, Hey, if he's only getting like sixteen uh percent of the snaps in the air, yeah, on the surface, that doesn't seem like a lot for a guy. Right. That you're but taking what 50... snaps are he in for? Exactly. And how important are those snaps? Exactly. think about Huff on that that uh mm-hmm. that last drive against Buffalo. Like that was one of the most important series uh, in the game to seal the game, and he was there and he made him his presence felt. Uh, so yeah, it, if he's only showing up at 20, 15 to twenty percent of the snaps, uh, great because you know what? I trust that he's going to be in a position to make a big impact when he is on there. Uh, and with our edge rush in general, I think of it as a group. Uh, so. Where you're gonna have the the guys that aren't really producing, they're gonna get less snaps in productive uh, scenarios, uh, and the the more uh, impactful guys are gonna get those snaps. Um, and it's just as if that edge rush is is hitting quarterbacks in waves, like like uh, Salah keeps saying, if those waves are hitting, then the unit is doing their job, and the rotation is working.
0: Hundred percent. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Let's dive into McDonald a bit as a player on the field, because uh, I think we've been through the narratives. Let's talk about this guy and his actual game. First things first, you have to make note, like you mentioned earlier, and Robert saw also mentioned, he played really out of position at Iowa State. Iowa State runs a, a very unique defense. It's a 3-3-5, meaning three defensive linemen, three linebackers, five secondary members. And they're usually in a stack formation where you're going to have the three defensive linemen. You're going to have Will McDonald being a defensive end. who's going to be either a five technique or a four eye who's going to be head up over an offensive tackle or slightly inside of him. You're going to have a true nose tackle with the center. You're going to have another defensive end again in that four eye or five tech alignment right out over uh, ahead of the offensive tackle, not to their outside. You have your three linebackers behind it, Mike and two outsides kind of shaded to the outside of those defensive ends, your secondary behind that. Will McDonald got very, very few opportunities to be a true edge rusher. He was playing a position that guys play when they're normally like 285 or 290 pounds. I mean, this is the same sort of play style for Jets fans to understand and make it easy. This was what Mohamed Wilkerson did like in 2011, 2012, 2010, where he was a five technique. He was head up over the offensive tackle. He wasn't out wide. He would have to play the run, stack and shed from both ways, either inside or outside, keep gap contained, use his length, and didn't get many opportunities to just build up speed and try and go around the corner. Neither did Will McDonald. But when he did, he was virtually unblockable. And I think it's really, really impressive that this dude had, I think it's 34 career sacks. He's the all-time sack leader in Iowa State history by a wide margin. And he wasn't even playing in a scheme that let him rush. He wasn't even playing in a scheme that let him really get after the quarterbacks and he still had 34 sacks. So what is this guy going to look like? Like the jets are going to do with him when they kick him out to the edge and they let him use his speed, use his bend, use his rush moves. He's got a great spin move. He knows how to hit some inside counters every now and again. He can dip and rip as good as anybody in this class you know, this guy is a dangerous, dangerous beast. He's got to clean up a few things and Matt, will talk about this more too. We want to see him get stronger. We want to see him get a little bigger. 239 pounds is light. Would like to see him and McDonald's has himself has said he's looking to add about 10 pounds in the off season, uh, get a little stronger. I'd be all for that. Think play him 245, 250 and he'll be great. Want to see him use that length a little bit more to a powerful sense to where he's not just keeping guys at bay, but just overwhelming them. And we'd like to see him be a little bit more sound taking on and shedding blocks for a guy that played as much five tech and four eye as he did we'd like to see him be a little better at getting in people's chest getting under them out leveraging them and getting them off but still we have to remember he was playing five tech and four eye at 240 which is not a good idea for anybody and the only reason Iowa State did it is because he was good enough to make it work and that's how they ran their defense so i'm really excited to see this guy get into our system and get unleashed in the way that I think he is going to be unleashed when his only job as a rookie is going to be, okay, it's third and eight, go get the quarterback. That's it. We'll, we'll teach you everything else next year for right now, year one, you just get after quarterbacks. And I think he's going to do a dang good job at it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember when I was going through defensive tackles, uh, just in my, uh, draft coverage, just going through them. And I was like, Oh, a uh, defensive tackle. Well, McDonald, let's check this guy. out. like, what this guy is nothing he's a twig how are they playing him at defensive tackle and then i watched him play i was like wow he's actually doing a decent job right it's not great it's not perfect but at 240 it's way better than it should be absolutely and it, it was truly impressive what he was able to do uh playing the position that he was asked to play uh yeah and i again just to reiterate what you said this year is all about playing with your new weight getting used to that getting your legs under you getting an understanding of the defense and really just uh just getting after the quarterback that is his main primary goal kill the quarterback
0: yeah I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited for this player. It was definitely a surprise at first. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that my jaw wasn't dropping the second I saw the tweet come in saying the Jets select Will McDonald at 15th overall. It surprised the heck out of me. You didn't see anybody anywhere in any sort of mock draft that covers the Jets or otherwise that had them taking Will McDonald in the first round. Once I got over that, once I compartmentalized this pick, once I understood why they did it and to to lead off with a a point that I'm going to make throughout this episode, once I understood the theme of this draft class, which was finishers, it made that much more sense to me. And I'm going to expand on this a little bit as we continue. But what I mean by finishers, and I'll keep pointing this out as we get to guys when it makes sense, the Jets couldn't close games last year. They couldn't. They would either have a lead and give it up, or they would be really close to coming back and not being able to take it or, or anything like that. And you would see their fourth quarters were just ugly towards the end of the season. They don't want that to happen again. And now they have guys who can come in and when they have a lead, close out the game or when they're behind, get them back in it. You know, they they know they're going to be playing ahead a good bit this year with Aaron Rodgers, a the quarterback. They need guys who can make sure that they end with wins and not just leads. Will McDonald is the first step of that puzzle. Absolutely. Can't wait to see him out there. No, me either. I think it's going to be great. Moving on, second round to number 43 overall. The Jets took a center in the second round at 43, as we all expected, but it was not John Michael Schmitz the media darling and darling of jets fans alike. It was Joe Titman from Wisconsin and Matt, I'm going to let you lead off here, but I- I'm going to tell the people I am so happy. They took Joe Titman I would have taken him over JMS for the jets.
1: I mean, I, every year I always make my picks before JD picks and I had my choice of centers as well. And I went with JMS. I am always, I keep saying over and over again, I'm i I'm a fan of safety and I just saw JMS as the safer pick, the, the higher floor, and the guy that can step in year one and be the guy uh, in a year that's very important with Aaron Rodgers and the uncertainty of what happens after this year. Uh, so I thought having the safest center was the safest pick. Uh, and Tipman, he's got the highest ceiling by far out of all the centers. Uh, if he hits his ceiling, he there isn't a question that he's going to be the best center in this draft, if not maybe in the league. Uh, but he I thought that he had a considerably low floor as well. You have the height issue, which will directly come in conflict if uh, he gets into a leverage battle. Uh, if he gets high in his pads those uh squatty defensive tackles are gonna lift them up and and send it back so i was a little concerned with that uh there's the offense that he came from which was very run centric uh and he had very few uh true pass sets as as a center so i thought that him getting used to to that at the next level would also be a little bit of a shock uh so i liked him more as a guy to have on the roster. Uh, for maybe a year or, or half a year just to be able to get used to NFL speed and working within our system to to really, you know, get his feet under him and and work towards that true potential. Um, so I'm not going to complain too much because, again, like I said, I think he could be easily one of the best centers in the league if he reaches his true potential. I was just a little worried about the, the risk of his floor and what he needs to work on.
0: Yeah, and that risk is there, and I'll be the first to admit it. And I said myself when we were breaking down centers a handful of weeks ago that one of my biggest questions with Tittman was his offense and the fact that Wisconsin is so run heavy and his opportunities in true pass sets where he's having to hold up in pass protection for two and a half to three seconds. We didn't get to see as many of them, but that was the knock. It wasn't that he was bad. It no. was that we wanted to see more. It was that he hasn't. he isn't as experienced as other guys in the same area. It's not like he was getting smoked. It's not like he was giving up pressures and sacks left and right. If anything, I thought he was a pretty dang good pass blocker. And the only thing was, can this hold up in an NFL passing offense as opposed to when you're Wisconsin and you run 75% of the time and guys are playing the run and they're not pass rushing as hard, are you going to be able to hold up? But I have some some newfound information that I got on Titman after he was drafted That's that's really giving me a lot of hope and a a lot of thought that he's going to be better right earlier than we may give him credit for. First and foremost, he's only a two year starter, which is counterintuitive to everything I was saying, saying, how is this going to help him? But it makes a lot of sense when you realize that he was only a two year starter at Wisconsin and he did all of their protection calls from day one and was great at it. They trusted him in his first start at Wisconsin at center to say, okay, you're the center. You, you got the green dot or of the offense or whatever you're setting the protections. And he did that the rest of the time he started games at Wisconsin. And I don't remember seeing Wisconsin give up many free rushers. I don't remember seeing Wisconsin have a lot of sacks given up on, on twists or stunts or anything like that. I remember their pass protection when they did throw being decently sound, at least on the interior, Joe Tittman's a big part of that. Next. He was taught by a pro lineman his whole life. in fact a guy who used to be a jet if I'm remembering his name correctly it's Jason Fabini
1: mm-hmm.
0: former jet taught Joe Joe Titman how to play football from the time he was about seven years old up until he went to Wisconsin. Oh my goodness that's awesome <laughs> that's incredible. The amount of guys that don't get that exposure, that don't get that that person to lean on. And now I'm sure because it seems like he, Titman, and Fabini are still close. They still it's not like this is a former person he used to talk to. Now he's going to be in the league. Now, if he's trying to learn a playbook or now, if he's trying to understand a front, he has somebody he can call on the phone that isn't some new teammate that he knows that he's known for years that he can trust to bounce ideas off from to learn from. I think this guy's going to start as a rookie. I Salah has already said it's an open competition between him and McGovern. And in my brain, I heard Titman starting. Because I, I don't I can't see a world in which McGovern is so head and shoulders better than Joe Tittman that it makes sense to start him. Because even if they're even, you start Titman so he gets the experience. Even if they're even, you start Titman so he starts getting used to the league. He starts getting chemistry with the guys he's going to be next to, because this guy is going to be your future center. If it's not this year, it's definitely next year. He is going to be your starting center. And most importantly for this team and why I said I am glad for the Jets, they took him over JMS. First and foremost, his mobility is insane. It's absolutely insane. He didn't have enough athletic testing due to injuries. Uh, I believe he had a minor surgery in the offseason that held him out of testing. He didn't get an RAS score because he didn't have enough testing. But if he did, it would have been probably 9.5 or higher. It would have been with his size factored in as well and how much RAS is influenced by size, being a 6'6 center and being as mobile as he is, he might have been a 10. I mean, this is a a world-class athlete at the center position. And for the jets in their zone scheme, they need guys who can get out and move. They need guys who can get out in space, who can be quick off the ball and seal on reach blocks and get up field and get to linebackers. And I think we're going to see some new, not just zone concept runs as well. I think we're going to see more pin and pull this year because they're going to have a center. They know they can trust to get around the edge. They're going to have a guy, just imagine a pin and pull concept with Tippman and AVT coming at you.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, g- good night linebackers. So I'm, I love this pick. It is one of, if not my favorites in the entire class. I think Titman is more advanced than even we gave him credit for because of his offense. And I think he's going to do a better job than expected starting as a rookie. And I think this guy is going to be our Alex Mack by year three. I love this guy.
1: And you know, it kind of uh, falls in line with our first pick too, where they went with, the pure potential and talent yep. uh, and a guy that they know that he's got what it takes. It's more of, of him showing it on the field in in an NFL uh, context. Uh, and he's going to get that chance. And I think he's going to, he's going to thrive. Uh, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Uh, everything that you said, his background, his coaching, uh, his just genetic, make up this uh, just kind of fits a guy that is going to take a little less time than more time to really get up to speed and to be where we need him to be. Uh, And we're going to need him to be at fast because this league is not forgiving, right? If no, if teams see a weakness, they're going to exploit that weakness over and over again until he can fix it. Uh, And we can't afford that with uh, our time constraints. Mm-mm. And the Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers clock that's ticking. Uh, so we, the, yeah, it's risky, but at the same time, it could be a major payoff.
0: Yeah, I think it will. Uh, you had mentioned similar to Will McDonald, they went with the potential in the athlete. The Jets had the highest average total RAS of any team in the NFL out of this draft. They are the that's only right. team. They are the only team in the league to have all of their drafted
1: players average to an RAS above nine. I'm not sure if you could find it, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're probably near the top in the last couple of years. I think
0: it is right up there as well. Again, I would have to know I'd have to go back and look at specifically every pick. But under Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas loves athletes. And that is that is nothing, nothing new or new information to anybody. They should know that before we move on to Titman, I want to make one more point. And I said I'm going to keep bringing this back up finishers. Matt, this is why I love this pick even more than a JMS in particular, because what was the one thing we said JMS really struggled with JMS. driving people off the ball and finishing and Titman does it in his sleep. Yep. Titman Titman moves people wherever he wants to, and he can create space at the line of scrimmage. So like Will McDonald, when you're up two scores and it's seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, you're up 10 points or whatever it is. And Will McDonald's there on third and eight on defense to go close out the game with the sack. Now you got Joe Titman at center to run right up the gut and keep that clock churning. I love this pick.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a fun pick. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna be curious to see how JMS and Titman uh go head to head. Uh yeah. in the, the same the- stadium. In the same stadium, yeah. No, yeah, I think so too. Uh it's gonna be a
0: fun battle to watch, but I am I am very excited for Joe Titman. I-, I think the Jets did a-, a great, great job with this pick. Quite the gap moving on uh, between 43 and 120th overall for the Jets to make their next pick. Not only did we wait between 43 and 112, Joe Douglas made us sweat another eight picks out on top of that by trading back with the New England Patriots. But I have to mention this trade because it was so funny. (laughs) The Jets got a free sixth round pick. They let the Patriots come up from 120 to 112 and the Patriots drafted a kicker. They traded up and gave the Jets a sixth round pick for a kicker. The Patriots. Yeah.
1: But you know what, um, the, to quote Richard uh, Rich Eisen, uh, if that kicker comes back to, to kick a game-winning field goal against us, we'll, we'll uh, feel a little bit differently.
0: I, I'm sure at some point that would be the case, but that does not <laughs> change that in a vacuum. It is bad drafting, and it is it is bad GMing, and I will take the free sixth-round pick from the Patriots. Thank you very much. 120th overall, the offensive tackle finally comes off the board. Carter Warren from Pittsburgh uh, had a couple of guys left on the board. Like Dewan Jones, we saw at that point, was still available at offensive tackle. Um, I think if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Jalen Duncan was available as well. But I am so, I was, uh, yeah, I am out. Wish. I am the biggest anti-Duncan guy in the world. So I would have been, that would have been an F-minus pick for me if they would have taken Jalen Duncan in that spot. Carter Warren, again, athlete again prototype size prototype athleticism six foot five 300 and I believe he's 12 pounds 35 plus inch arms 34 35 inch arms serious length to him as well played at Pittsburgh for three straight seasons played mostly at left tackle spent some time at right tackle as a junior uh, but not too much mainly played on the left side started on the left uh, at left tackle as a true freshman played there as a sophomore. his senior year he gets hurt and tears his meniscus three three or four games into his senior year. And that kind of led him down the board. He didn't get as much testing. And obviously we saw he fell to the fourth round. But I think if this guy was healthy, he's a top 75 pick. And to get that guy in round four at 120, to fit a position of need, eventually, even if it's depth, even if he may not, he, he probably isn't going to start as a rookie, I would bet against that. But even if it's depth that you desperately need, having another guy that can come in and be an offensive tackle that's sound in pass protection and a road grader in the run game, I I'm I like this pick a lot. Warren needs to work on his balance. He needs to work on keeping his pad level low. He needs to work on. I I don't want to say you don't always want to flash your hands early and make the first strike, but I like offensive linemen who get up on dudes and make contact. I don't like passive blockers. I, I want you to be aggressive and I want you to get your hands on early and control the rep. I'd like to see Warren be a little more aggressive in that sense but there is a really good baseline of a floor here. And for a guy that's probably not going to be expected to see any playing time year one to just learn and get depth. You got guys like Dwayne Brown to learn from, you know, I I like this pick a lot. I think there's a chance I'm not going to say for sure, but I think there's a chance that he could be our future starting left tackle.
1: Uh, I'd say there's a good chance about that too. Uh, along with the, the things that you said that he needs to work on, uh, I want to add some, a better punch, uh, he seemed a little passive with his punch too he'd, he'd much rather trying to try just get his hands out he's a, there he's a hand them. catcher he's a hand he's... catcher not a hand puncher uh and I'd love to yeah more aggression there just and a little bit more power uh, but he does all, everything pretty well uh between his movement skills uh, his ability to mirror uh, his uh, pass blocking i would say is a little bit better than his his run blocking uh but you know what he's gonna have time to, to work on that. Uh, hopefully he, he, we don't see him at all this year. If we don't see him at all this year, that's a good thing. Uh, yes. and then come next year, uh, Brown will most likely be gone. Uh, we'll see what happens with Beckton. Uh, so yeah, he, he'll get his chance then, uh, to, to really show what he can do. Um, and yeah, I think the fact that we were able to get him in the fourth round is yeah, pretty much a steal. Uh, I saw him with the early third round grade, um, but, I mean, yeah, so the fact that he dropped here is, is, was was really good. I took uh, Antonio Johnson in my draft uh, just because I couldn't pass on my number two safety, uh, even with his testing was down. But you know what? I, I, that's a lesson learned for the years to come. If you see a guy with a really bad Rascal score, it's most likely not going to be a J.D. pick. Uh, no. So the fact that he lasted that long uh, – shouldn't have been too much of a surprise to me. Um, But you know what, Warren in in this spot and with the need that we had, because we definitely needed more depth. uh, There's a lot of question marks at the offensive tackle position. We have Max, who's coming back of blood clots. Uh, You have Becton, who's been out two years, even though he's in the best shape of his life. We just turned down his uh, fifth year option. Uh, So he's going to be playing for that contract this year, but still a question mark. You have Brown, who's getting up there in age, uh, just played an entire year with uh, his rot- rotator cuff. Uh, so, question mark, question mark, question mark. Nothing but question marks here. Uh, so, we needed more bodies there that we can kind of turn to when the times get tough. Uh, sure, there's AVT, but everything kind of shouts that they want to keep him inside at guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially going back to uh, they how they said you know what? We're not really worried about him because he's going to have guys like Lakin to his left and AVT nope. to his right, and that's what's going to help his development. So it, everything sounds like they want to keep AVT in uh, and really bolster their uh, on the their depth on the outside. And Carter Warren definitely does that.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, and like you had said, you know, guys with a low RAS are probably not going to be Jets under Joe Douglas. So are guys with character concerns. Mm-hmm. and so are guys that that don't love football and that's why they didn't take Dewan jones plain and simple as that Dewan jones is better taped than Carter warren i'll die on that hill but Dewan jones went in round five because there's weight questions and there's questions about how much he's dedicated to playing the game and teams just watched what happened to makai becton who didn't get his fifth year option picked up today who is now going to be who's playing on now in the last year of his rookie deal and is going to be an unrestricted free agent next season teams are scared and and if that's if your concerns are coming out that heavily that you have that you are six foot eight, 370 pounds, give up five pressures in a season and have the longest wingspan ever measured at the combine, and you go round five. It's got to be some good concerns there. And that's the reason Joe Douglas wasn't going anywhere near it. So Carter Warren, on the other hand, seems to be perfectly clean. There isn't anybody they drafted that has any sort of question, character concerns. Seems like guys that love football and play hard. And that's Joe Douglas and Robert Sala to a T. It's not surprising.
1: Yeah, no, not surprised at all. Uh, Hopefully uh, we'll see uh, him pay dividends in in the years to come.
0: Yeah, we're all hoping we will see how it progresses. I think it's going to be interesting to see where they try and play him because he's played so much left tackle. He's only played a handful of snaps at right tackle across a couple of games as a junior. And and for the rest of his four, three plus years, uh, if you count his injured senior season, but the rest of his career, he was a left tackle expecting him not to play year one i wonder if they see about giving him this year to switch i wonder I, if I, I wouldn't personally i'd keep him on the left side if it was me but it seems like the jets don't have any regard for history of where guys play they they will play their offensive linemen wherever they think they should
1: yeah i mean where we haven't really had the luxury of kind of putting in tradition and just having them learn. They we've been forced to throw people left right uh, inside outside so it's it's been kind of crazy times. Uh so hopefully the injury bug is behind us on the offensive line and we can finally kind of settle in with guys and positions uh and kind of find where they're most comfortable and use that going forward to really build out our depth chart for the years to come.
0: Yeah, whether it's on the left side or right side, you know, having Warren in the building and having a situation where you know he probably isn't going to have to start as a rookie and can learn and get situated wherever it decides, wherever they decide he's going to be, that's a good situation to be in. Absolutely. All right, Matt, it is time. This is my favorite pick in their entire class. 143rd overall, running back is Israel Izzy Abanakanda from Pittsburgh, another Pittsburgh Panther teammate of Carter Warren. This dude had no business going at 143. None. Absolutely none. Everyone that was listening to the show knows that when it comes to running backs, my guy was Eric gray out of Oklahoma. He ended up going a handful of picks later. to The giants again, funny how guys that we talked about and argued your favorite center goes to the giants. My favorite running back goes to the giants. Um, mm-hmm. Jets take both those positions, but other guys, um, Eric gray, is the opposite of a and that Eric Gray is I'm going to make you miss. I'm going to juke you. I'm going to, you know, burst up field. I'm going to cut, I'm going to run through you with power. I'm going to run through your arm tackle, and then I'm going to get to the second level and you're going to catch me because I run four six. Izzy a is a legit. I don't care what his pro day testing was. I know from his tape and what I have seen, he is a low four, three runner. He might be high four two. He is. I will. I will put money down today. He is faster than Brees Hall. If the two of them raced, Izzy wins. I guarantee it. That level of speed is rare. That level of speed at running back is rare, and that level of speed at a running back who's five foot ten and almost two hundred and twenty pounds is even more rare. I didn't think personally, Matt, that abanicanda was going to be available when the Jets would be looking to take a running back. That's why my guy has been Eric Gray. Because I loved his tape, I had him rated highly, and everyone in the world was telling me he's going to go round five, and he did. That's where I thought they were going to target their dude. But holy hell, Izzy Abanacanda is like 80% of Brees Hall. And if you can get 80% of Brees Hall at 143, run the card in. Run the card in. I mean, we talked so long about why they might draft a running back and how they needed insurance and how they had to have another guy not only to spell Brees Hall and keep their running game effective, but not rush him back from his injury. And if he isn't ready to go week one, or there's any caution that he's still working his way back to not put this guy back out and give him 20 carries right out the gate and potentially risk injuring him more. Having another guy like an Izzy that has the same level of speed and has the same level of size to where it's not just a small guy and you breathe on him and he falls down. Having another guy that is, like I said, 80% of Brees Hall is ridiculous for the Jets' backfield. They don't have to worry about their running game anymore. Uh-uh. Not whatsoever. Even if Brees Hall isn't ready to go week one, Izzy fits this scheme. He can run the exact same plays. He can still rip off yards and chunks. He can take plays to the house in a flash. He can be a weapon in the screen game. He can be a weapon in the passing game. It, it, the Jets just got another Brees Hall. Not quite to the same level. Again, Brees is you know a very, very unique back, and he went a lot higher than Izzy did for a reason. But when you're talking about guys to back up a Brees Hall, you couldn't have built a better backup to Brees Hall. And the Jets got him at 143. I'm and, and last but not least, you lose Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson gets released with with a non-football injury or something, and he's no longer on the team. That's your running back three now gone. So now your running back depth chart is Brees Hall coming off seven games in a torn ACL, Michael Carter in his second year, who looked like a completely different player and a former undrafted rookie in Bam Knight, who played well in a few games, but is still an undrafted rookie. And it's still going to it can't be fully expected to be. Oh, you're Brees isn't ready. We don't trust Carter here. Bam, go take everything off. Bam started because they ran out of running backs last year. They called him. They called they traded for James Robinson first. Yeah, You know, they they tried to fill in other bodies. And as much as we like Bam and think he's going to be a part of this team, Izzy is the better RB2. And to get this guy at 143, this is an A++++ pick for me. This dude, no one in this Jets draft class outside of maybe Joe Titman is going to have a bigger impact for the Jets year one than Izzy Abanacanda. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with. The pairing of him and Brees Hall is going to be electric. I love this player. I love this scheme fit. I love where they got him. This is their best pick in my mind.
1: Um, All right. I, I Tell me why I'm crazy. I, I don't think you're crazy. Like we First, the position, uh, grabbing a running back. We both agreed that. Was something that we needed. Um, it, it's really hard to like argue against him because he is a home run threat every single time he touches the ball. Uh, that speed kills, and it kills constantly. And you see it in his tape. Uh, he does that one cut, and boom, he's gone. Uh, and then you just have people grabbing at his ankles and and coming up empty. So it, it's he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, I wanted a little bit more power though. That's, that's what I thought we were really lacking. Uh, is a guy that we can kind of use as our third down back, but then, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it, it's, he feels a little bit more of a need as just a running back too, because there are those question marks with, uh, Carter and his, his, he's coming off a bad year uh, and bam Knight who flashed here and there, but it, it overall is an undrafted free agent. Uh, so, yeah, his speed uh, is is absolutely needed. His ability to take it to the house and be that big play threat uh, is something that we need behind uh, Hall if Hall is not ready because as good as Carter can be, his rookie year, and if he gets that back, uh, I don't see the same playmaking ability. I see a guy that can make people miss a lot. Uh, and can really make something out of nothing, but at the same time, I don't see him as the home run threat every single time he touches the ball. Uh, Bam, he's another guy. He just he's a hard runner. Uh, he's faster than than he timed. Uh, and he's got some some power to him. Uh, but at the same time, he he doesn't really put it all together in a package that screams home run threat. Uh, he does not have that speed. Uh, so. Yeah, he's kind of what we really need, even if it's not what I was particularly looking for, uh, because, yeah, we, we still have these question marks. Uh, so really, I, I probably should have been more on board with him uh, because the the safe pick is to back up what we need most, which is a playmaker.
0: Yeah. And I agree. I mentioned it, too. We wanted that guy to have that power element when it's third and short, when they need to just get a yard, when the offensive line may not be holding up and blocking for them. Guys that can create for themselves and get positive yards anyway. That's what we were looking for. But at the same time, you now have a guy that isn't just important on third down. He's important on first and second down, too, when Brees Hall's getting a breather. And and I think that's a, a really huge point to this. I'm going to read off their testing numbers, Matt, because it is scarily similar between Izzy Abanacanda and Brees Hall, to where this is not a, when I'm saying 80% of Brees Hall, it is not a hyperbole whatsoever. Height, Izzy Abanacanda, 5'10 and one8 Brees Hall, 5'11 and two 2'8", so slightly about an inch heavier. Weight, Izzy Abanacanda, 216, Brees Hall, 217. One pound heavier for Brees Hall. 40 is their biggest difference, and this is pro day 40 times. Uh, Izzy was clocked at a four four five. Some teams had him as low as four two nine. Off his tape, I am telling you guys, he's four three three or lower. This is this is real elite, elite, elite speed. When he hits that open gear and he fully goes and turns it on, guys don't even come close. They 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 run in slow motion compared to Izzy. That is real, real, real speed. I think he's at least four three three based on his tape. Brees Hall four three nine in his testing numbers. So four four five versus four three nine off a of pro day. I think on tape, Izzy's even faster than that. Twenty-yard split, Izzy two five three. Brees two five five. Ten-yard split, Izzy one point five. Brees one point five two. Vertical, Izzy forty-one inches. Brees forty inches. Broad jump, Izzy ten feet eight inches. Brees Hall ten feet six inches. It's dang near identical. It is. It, they're practically identical. The only major difference is that at a pro day Izzy ran 445 and on tape he's faster. But this is this is athletically a Brees Hall clone. And to get that at 145 is just amazing to me. And I'm going to bring up this point again, Matt. Finishers. When it's the end of the game, when you're up by seven, when you're up by 10, when you're trying to put a team away and you're trying to grind the clock out. And Brees Hall has been running rampant on a defense for three quarters and is tired. Now they have to chase Izzy, too. Now you have a guy who's even faster than Brees coming in, (laughs) who's going to be fully ready to go and not tired whatsoever against a defense that's chasing down one of the best backs in the league for the entirety of the game before that. Now you put this guy in the backfield, too. Finisher. Finisher. The theme of this draft was finish Games and they drafted players to do it. There are three guys that they took that are going to make an impact year one for sure Titman, McDonald, Abanacanda. All three of them helped them finish games this season. If that is not win now football, someone tell me what is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not just the edge position that needs waves of talent to get those fresh legs on the field. Running back is most definitely. One of those positions, and it's also one of the positions that gets hurt the most. So adding, depth, as we saw, yeah, as we saw. So adding Abanikanda I- is 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 absolutely a great pick. It really is. It really, really is. I like. I said it's my favorite
0: pick in the class. Titman is is a close second, but it's it's easy for me. Izzy's going to get busy, and I cannot wait to watch it moving along. 170th overall, acquired from the Green Bay Packers in the Aaron Rodgers trade. They sent 204 and got 170 back. They got a linebacker, which is definitely a position we thought they could add. In um, linebacker, not many fans have talked about a smaller school player, Zaire Barnes from Western Michigan. Shout out Corey Davis; he's got another Mustang coming with him. This is another guy, Robert Sala, linebacker. About six foot three, 220, 230 pounds, mid four five speed. Uh, I believe he was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year at some point or he was an all-max uh, selection his senior year, racked up tackles in bunches, played special teams. I think early, he's likely to be more of a special teams player, kind of a backup, see how you fit along guys like Jamie and Sherwood, Hamza Dean, you know, the other sort of backups that we have. Uh, We know Quincy Williams is staying based on his new contract. We're based on money allocated. We know CJ Mosley is going to be there. So I don't see much of a a way for this guy to get on the field year one if it's not special teams, but I think he could have a big impact there. And the one thing that I watched in the little bit of him that I've seen in these next uh, last couple of days since the draft, he's really good in coverage. He is really, really fluid. His ability to flip his hips and turn and run really stood out to me. And I think that there is a baseline there for him to continue to grow and continue to get better in that aspect, but to have the speed and the fluidity that he has, I mean, that's what Robert Sala wants in his linebackers. And he's
1: another one of them. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a single bit of him (laughs) before the draft. Uh, So, and then I, I, the first thing I I went to see is, is, is his RAS score as soon as uh we drafted them like oh, up uh, in in the nines uh, uh, once again jd going into the nines uh, uh, of rascor to get his guy uh but if there's like one position that i trust our coaches to develop more than any other it's linebacker uh they have such a good history of just bringing in guys uh and and just building them up and making them into the, the kind of linebacker that we need. Uh, we needed the depth, like you said, and we definitely got it. Um, he's got, uh, okay. Size was he six, one, probably like two thirty three ish. Yeah. I think he's like, uh,
0: yeah, I think six, one, two 33. I think you're dead on.
1: Yeah. So his size is me. Uh, but it's really his, his speed and agility that really just flashes at you. Uh, and, yeah, the fact that he can also perform in coverage uh, makes him the kind of modern linebacker that we need, not just the guy that's going to shoot gaps uh, and contain. He's a guy that can drop into coverage uh, when we need him uh, and and cause havoc that way. Uh, that's kind of why we thought Campbell was probably the ideal uh, pick for a linebacker for us. Uh, and and we get kind of uh, – uh, Campbell Light uh, here in the where are we the fifth round now where are we uh, I believe fifth in, round still yeah f- sorry the sixth round pick one eighty four uh, so the fact that we can get this type of uh, developmental player here in the sixth round uh, is is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, like I said, adds depth. I think he's going to be a good player on special teams with his speed and his hitting ability as well. Um, he's he lays some force when he hits people. I wouldn't say he's a a dynamite lights out, knock your head off type of hitter, but he can lay some wood. Uh, and he can absolutely make his presence felt. I think that's going to be good on special teams for him. Gives us some more depth. Again, just a, a solid linebacker pick. It's the end of the fifth round. You know, you can't be expecting superstars or, or anything crazy like you're going to be plucking, you know, rookie starters out of the fifth round every single time. You get some of them great. Like the Jets got a rookie starter in the fifth round and Michael Carter the second a few years ago. I would love to see how many other players out of that draft class were picked in the fifth round and started as rookies. I bet it's very few. So oh, yeah. I, I'm... I'm perfectly fine with the debt move. It was a position they needed. It's a guy that fits their, their skill set. I'm going to hold off judgment, like you said, as we didn't really watch him much, if at all, during the pre-draft process. And now we're kind of looking things through green tinted glasses, knowing that he's going to be a Jet. But based on profile, based on fit, based on this coaching staff and their history to develop linebackers, these are the type of guys that they work with. And these are the type of guys that they continually succeed with. So I like the pick. I don't have any complaints
1: no nope, no complaints uh yeah exactly we, we we can't sit here and be like oh we love this guy because no we didn't really watch him uh but you know what yeah it, in the sixth round for in his uh athletic uh build we can kind of uh see where they're going with it uh and see w- w- what what their ideas are going forward and i he fits that to to a tee
0: yeah for sure for sure two more picks to go 184th overall another tr- uh, pick from the new england patriots Jarek Bernard, Conver- Jarek Bernard Converse, excuse me, definitely the most interesting name of the Jets draft class, a defensive back. And I'm calling him a defensive back on purpose because I don't even think the Jets know what he's going to be yet, but he is a corner slash safety who can play either, who played four years at Oklahoma State, right? Oklahoma State, am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Um, I couldn't remember if it was Oklahoma State or Oregon State. I get those two confused all the time. They both wear black and orange. It makes it so difficult. It drives me nuts. Um Oklahoma state four years. He's originally from LSU or originally from Louisiana. What goes to LSU as a graduate transfer Plays his fifth year there has a really solid year at LSU. Again, I think he was playing outside corner at LSU. He spent two years early in his career at safety at Oklahoma state played corner a bit at Oklahoma state as well. I actually heard an interview with him where at, in high school, he started out at safety his first few years at high school and then went to corner again, um, to end his career in high school and then did the same thing in college where he starts at safety and goes back. This guy is the most interesting player of their draft class. This guy has the, this is the one guy where you can sit there and point and say of their last three picks end of the fifth round, who's going to be a possible future starter. It's JBC and it's JBC for the reasons that we talked about for a long, long time on this show, Matt, what do the jets need in a safety? What do they want their free safety to do? What roles are going to be asked of them and what skill sets are required to execute that role? And the one thing that we kept coming back to over and over and over at some point, it's an inevitability. Those guys are going to have to play man coverage. Yes. One-on-one man coverage. They're going to have to do it. They're going to have to be capable of doing it. Okay. So you draft a guy who's had multiple seasons, at cornerback that fits played safety as well and knows the other roles that fits as well. Bernard Converse himself, in the interview I watched with him, sat there and was asked about, you know, you've played safety, you've played corner, do you, do you speak to that versatility? And he literally said, I think every defensive back should know how to play both. Like, if you're a DB, you should be able to play both. Uh, okay, I love that attitude. I love that that's your mindset of it's not like I'm going above and beyond to do anything. It's no, I'm a DB. I should, if I'm good enough at safety, I should play corner, or vice versa. No problem. I can do it. That's the point. Love that mindset. Love that mentality. And you look at this dude's frame and athleticism, six foot one, 205 pounds, had a 9.7 RAS, ran a four three nine forty 940 at his pro day. I believe he had an above 40 inch vertical as well. Supreme, supreme athlete. Like we keep talking about with this draft class, they only were looking for high athletic ceilings. They don't want to waste time on guys that don't have that necessary athleticism. They want to have a, a room to grow and development to make these players into the best they possibly can be. Bernard Converse, I am very, very curious to see what happens in training camp with him. Because the Jets haven't come out and said for sure whether he's going to be a corner or a safety. They put cornerback on the draft card when they drafted him, which usually is an indication of where teams are are getting an idea of how they see things fit. Maybe they eventually view him as an outside corner. Maybe that's his future. Maybe this DJ Reed's eventual replacement. And and this becomes the guy that teams up with Sauce Gardner, or maybe he's our future free safety, and he's got that ability to be like a discount Jimmy Ward, where he can be a free safety on early downs, line up in the slot on uh, third down and play man to man and be a corner and be just fine doing it. It's a sixth round pick. The odds that it's going to be that he's going to outright succeed are slim. But you and I both felt Matt, you more so than me, because this was a guy you were you were on and didn't realize was even in this draft class, (laughs) but. This is a guy that we think had like fourth round tape. This is a guy that we think had like developmental starter traits and a guy that probably should have went earlier than the 184th overall pick. And if not for probably age and wear and tear and only testing at his pro day, he didn't get a combine invite. So that, that was even you know more difficult if not for that. I mean, he probably would have went a good bit higher, and I am really, really intrigued to see what this coaching staff does for him, because there are so many roles that he could fill, and I have no idea what it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I, I am truly embarrassed that I didn't know he <laughs> was even in this draft. Uh, I remember last year, I yeah, I gave him a early uh, fourth-round grade, uh, and I thought, Oh, he he must've gotten drafted, but no, he just transferred to LSU. So I just didn't notice. Uh, But yeah, he's somebody that jumped out at me, even at Oklahoma state. Uh, The fact that he is very physical, uh, he attacks the catch point very well. He's got the speed to hang with just about anybody uh, downfield. And then with his LSU tape this year, going, uh, looking at him, uh I I saw him play a little bit more safety, a little bit more in the box. Uh and he looked at home there too. So yeah, I, I definitely see like the, the Jimmy Ward comparison of being able to play deep if the, if the if they ask him to, or play slot, or play outside. He can do anything. He's going to be uh our utility DB. I don't know if he's going to be a, a replacement for anybody, or maybe he's going to have a role just for himself, uh, kind of like uh, uh, the, the Honey Badger, like the Honey Badger kind of made his own position. Uh, so if he can really show out right now uh, to be the guy that can play just about everywhere, uh, then he probably will continue to just play everywhere and not be uh, a Reed replacement or a Whitehead replacement and just be him. And if he can thrive in that role, that is all we can ask for. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, I mean, this is it's rare to find guys with this level of athleticism, this size and this level of versatility. And that's why I'm kind of really surprised he was he was available. I mean, wasn't a very well-known name, wasn't a highly talked about player. We heard for months and months and months how bad the safety class was and how there wasn't any you know, superstar blue-chip players, and and I agree with that. The th- I had three guys in 2022 that would have been the top of my list this year by far. So I, it wasn't an, an over-the-moon, incredible safety class. But for the Jets in particular, there were guys that we saw that fit a skill set that fit what they need. Antonio Johnson was one of them that we mentioned for a long time leading up to the draft, and Bernard Converse is another where it's like exactly how you just described him. He can be deep if you need him to. He can be in the box if you need him to. You need him to line up at corner. He can do that too. I said that about Antonio Johnson a month ago.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's the same sort of style of player in, in in Bernard Converse that fits that role. On top of that, and this is where I think, at least for this particular first rookie year, maybe further down the line, depending on how they build out their team, but at least for this next year, he gives them a backup at two positions. He's an extra corner and he's an extra safety and he can fill. If one guy goes down at either spot, he's an option to step in and fill in in that role. And now they have one guy who can cover two roles on backups, giving them another spot on the roster to fill in, just like how they had Brandon Eccles, who was their backup corner for outside and slot. And it didn't matter who went down. Eccles was going to come in and be the replacement, regardless of where on the field or where they aligned. He was the guy who did it now you have another guy I think can fill that similar role, at least as a rookie, where if I don't expect him to start as a rookie, I really don't. I'm not, not putting that on a sixth round pick. Like we talked about the chances of getting a, a starter in the fifth rounder is difficult, let alone a rookie starter in the sixth. Could be a starter in year two. We'll have to see how camp goes. But at the very least, he is going to be a backup corner and a backup safety and give the Jets two positions in one roster spot. Oh, and you know what they probably will do with that, Matt? Add another defensive end.
1: Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, i I could see it uh, and I think the only uh defenders that can really just step in and be a day one starter are the truly elite players like sauce uh everybody else I feel like this defense, is just a little uh, more complicated and just takes a little bit more time to to get used to. So, yeah, I, I definitely don't see him uh, being a starter year one. Uh, but you know what? He doesn't need to be. We've got the talent right now to to kind of let him maybe work his way in in sub-packages uh, and just be that primary like backup uh, wherever he's needed. Uh, and I think he could thrive in that role. Yeah, I think so, too.
0: Uh, one more point on the topic of safeties before we get to the last pick of this class. Um, evidenced by the fact that we, we still don't even know if JBC is going to be a safety, and we're assuming he probably will be, but we don't know for that that for sure. And the fact that they didn't draft anybody else in the secondary, and we know they have an opening on, at free safety since Marcus Joyner isn't back, and thank God he isn't, to be quite frank. They must love Tony Adams. Oh, they yeah. must be they must be really really high on Tony Adams because they were they spent this whole offseason going, "No, we're good. We don't need a free safety. We have Tony Adams. He was an undrafted free agent who made our 53 last year. He's going to start." I mean, who else is going to start at free safety? I don't see anybody else. I don't think it's going to be Ashton Davis. I
1: don't think so. Uh yeah, I think he's kind of replacing two people at at once, Ashton Davis and Bryce Hall. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways I think he is, and I think that gives them
0: if you can get two roster spots out of one player in the sixth round, cool. I'm on board. You get a guy who can perfectly fits your skill set with a, a great frame, great athleticism, good mindset, you know, and all of that. And you get an extra roster spot out of it. That's a hell of a way to spend a six round
1: pick to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It could be a huge deal.
0: Yeah, really, really could. All right. Last pick in the class. Let's round this one up. Not all things can be sunshine and rainbows. If that's any <laughs> idea of how I feel about this pick. Tight end, 220th overall, tight end Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion. Incredible, incredible athlete. 10 RAS score. I think it was, uh, he even beat out guys like Jelani Woods from a few years ago that also had 10s, where he was the number one listed tight end in the database in RAS history. That's amazing. And before I say how I feel about this pick, I want to be very clear <laughs> it's 220th overall in the seventh round. It's a seventh round pick, means nothing. It it, it it is meaningless. It is not going to affect the Jets' success or failures. It is not going to have a major impact on anything that they do this year or probably next year. It's a seventh-round pick. It's not a big deal. But, man, I really didn't like Zach Coon's tape.
1: <laughs> no. Man,
0: I was not a fan of his tape. To be this athletic freak because he is he is an absolute athletic freak there's no denying that to be i believe he's like six foot six or six seven 260 plus pounds ran in the four fives said like a 38 inch vertical or something like he's an incredible incredible athlete and that's all he is and that's the problem for me is this isn't a guy where he's like a senior like he's played multiple, multiple years of football. He spent a couple of years at Penn State as a big tight end recruit. There got beat out by a couple of other guys they had on their roster to start. Guys like Pat Fryermuth, guys like Brenton Strange, who was just a second round pick. There was a handful of other tight ends in that on that team. Coons got pushed down the board despite his athleticism. Ends up transferring to Old Dominion. Played a little bit uh, a year ago, and then really came on as a starter this past year. Had a solid season, but you just you watch his tape. The dude is a horrendous blocker. Oh, God. A horrible blocker. And for his size, he should be so much better. I remember texting you a handful of weeks ago, Matt, when before we were doing our tight end episode. And I was going back through the list of tight ends to get a refresher, and I watched Dalton Kincaid and Zach Coons back to back. Because I'm thinking these are both guys that are more of the receivers. They're the the move why tight ends. Let me watch them and kind of and succession to get an idea for their skills kind of compare them directly. And I remember texting you when I had Kincaid on being like, wow, as long as Kincaid doesn't have to block anybody that's a defensive lineman or a linebacker, he's okay. If it's a secondary (laughs) member, he can block other than that, it's going to be trouble. And I remember about an hour and a half later, also texting you and going, wow, somehow, despite outweighing him by 40 pounds, Zach Koontz is a worse
1: blocker. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I was expecting to see so much more from, from Coons when I put on his tape uh, and was truly disappointed uh, as from, on both aspects of the game, his blocking and receiving Uh, for a guy, his size, I was expecting him to be more physical at the catch point to be able to, to, to shield off defenders. Uh, But no, he wasn't really able to do anything. So, this guy is nothing but potential. Let's let's leave it at that. Let, let's. Oh yeah, let's, it's a project. It's a it, dart
0: throw in the seventh round on athleticism, and this exactly. is what you do at the end of the draft.
1: Yeah, yeah, you take these guys that are magnificent clumps of clay uh, that you can coach up, uh, and we ha- we've got a great tight end coach too that that I feel like can get a, a great deal out of out of his players. So I think that kuntz has. Uh, Definitely the potential. And right now he is probably tight end four. I, I would say he's comfortably tight end four. Uh maybe unless Yaboa comes out of nowhere uh to develop into the somebody. Uh I see Kuntz as, as our tight end four. Uh but you know what we're, we're not gonna ask him to really do much right now. He if he even makes the, the roster, I, I could see him also being stashed on the practice squad. Uh, because right now he's got so much to learn to be a pro NFL tight end.
0: yeah, he really really does and i'm gonna I'm gonna call my shot. I don't think he makes the opening day roster. I think he will be a practice squad player. I think I think Yaboa beat some out because even Yabo is a better blocker like significantly and Yaboa used to be a wide receiver and and he's and he has the effort. Koontz the one thing with him is the effort isn't there the want-to isn't there. With Dalton Kincaid, the want-to was there. You could see that he tried. He got overpowered. He lost when, you know, he'd asked to be taking on a defensive end in the run game and he has to stand the guy up. He was going to give it his best shot. It wasn't going to work out very well, but he was going to try. I saw Zach Koontz literally use his rear end to try and block somebody on team. <laughs> like box him out like he was a basketball player and that was his backside reach block. To be fair, it worked. To be completely and totally fair, his guy didn't make the tackle. But that is like, That's the only time I saw that this year out of a tight end to where I'm not going to get my
1: somersault block.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When he, he had a rep, he had a rep for He was on a split zone for split zone. I've explained this before, but I'll explain it again for people that didn't hear whatever show it was when I know I explained it before. That's when you've seen the jets do this a lot. Well, they'll, they'll have their five offensive linemen and they'll have the tight end in the backfield, like almost behind the offensive tackle. They'll usually have a running back on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the offensive line. So if the tight end is behind the left tackle, the running back is to the quarterback's right behind the right guard, right tackle. And a split zone is going to be when that tight end is going to come back against the grain towards the running back towards the right. They're going to take on the defensive end that is there. The offensive line is going to move up forwards, do an inside zone path. They're going to take on the defensive tackle, right tackle in this situation is either going to double team uh, the backside defensive tackle, have the right guard move up to the linebacker or the right guard's going to take the defensive tackle and the right tackle is going to move up to the linebacker. Either way, you're supposed to be creating a gap between the right guard and right tackle and the tight end coming across on this sift block, as it's known. Zach Coons tried to do a sift block against a safety from Virginia, I believe it was. And this like 5'10", 5'11", safety put him on his butt. Zach Coons had a running start. And he put him on his butt (laughs) that that was like the rep where I was like, this is a problem. And and quite honestly, it's not just his blocking for me. And I don't want to make this a batch Zach could show because that's I'm not in the business of doing that. Guy's a jet. I'm going to root for him. I hope he proves me wrong and becomes the best tight end in Jets history, truly wholeheartedly. But based on what I've seen, his blocking is is really, really bad. His receiving skills, his route running, he can do it. He has the agility. Again, the athleticism is there, but the timing, the pacing, the technique, the tells he shows, the the extra steps when he's cutting, you know, that's an issue for me. He can track the ball decently well. He's got okay hands, but it's nothing incredible. I was expecting more after the catch, quite honestly, for oh, yeah. for his big and his and supposedly you would hope as strong and as fast. You know, I was expecting him to be a little more physical. Joe Douglas said in the draft call in his draft call to Coons, you have all the traits to be a great tight end in this league. And that is a hundred percent true.
1: He has none of the skill right now. And that's what you have to teach him. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to bash him too much. Also. He's definitely has everything there. All the tools are there. Uh, It's now up to him. Can he put it all together?
0: Yeah. And that's going to be the question and color me uh, pessimistic. I guess would be the word when you've had so many years at two different schools to put it all together and you still couldn't. And you went to a tight end factory in Penn state and couldn't be put it together. I'm I'm questioning this pick. I am. And I got to be honest about it. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to Uh, it's I am questioning this pick from the sense of this was not a player whose tape I liked, but I get it. It's 220th overall. It's the seventh round. Joe Douglas said in his post-draft conference uh, press conference that they got to that sixth, seventh round where they took JBC, where they took Zach Koontz, their last two picks. And they were looking for that, quote, freak factor. They were looking for guys that were incredible athletes that they can stash, that they can try and build up. And you take a dart throw at the end of the draft. It's a good strategy. Sometimes it works. Most seventh and sixth round picks you're going to throw in the trash anyway. You might as well get a guy with a ceiling to maybe turn into something. And this pick really, Matt, it made me think of Joe Douglas as I believe it was his first ever draft with the Jets when they took Jonathan Marshall as their last pick in the class. Mm, Yes. Who 9.99 RAS is a defensive tackle. Incredible, incredible athlete. I believe he was out of Arkansas. Incredible, incredible athlete. Had no idea how to be a defensive tackle. Had no clue what he was doing. I remember my exact words from our show breaking down that pick. It must have been 2021 then, if we were breaking it down. Um, my exact words from that show and that breakdown were this guy has all the tools in the world to be an amazing defensive tackle, but he has no freaking idea what he's doing. <laughs> That's Zach Coots,
1: but tight end. Yeah. Uh and if I remember correctly, I think he was stolen off our practice squad by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe uh, so. So you know what we're 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 getting guys that other teams want so and i think koontz would is also going to be a guy that if we can have him sit and learn for a little bit teams are going to start to see hey if you put him on that practice squad we're probably going to snipe him as well it's certainly a possibility i
0: hope that he can develop enough to to be worthy of that quite honestly Uh, and i know he's got a long way to go but the all the talent is there and for us the end of a class. When it's the seventh round, when it's 220th overall in a draft class that isn't that strong anyway, who else were you going to get that was going to be better? Who else were you going to get that is going to give you a shot at actually fielding a seventh round pick that succeeds? That's why I'm not I'm not losing my mind over this at all. That's why I don't really, honestly, I don't even really care. And it's a player that I, I didn't like based on tape, based on my evaluations, but it's a seventh round pick and it's a bet on athleticism. I totally understand why they did it. Just not a player that I liked, but oh, well, it's a seventh round pick. No, no harm, no foul. Exactly. All right, Matt, that is the 2023 draft class for the New York Jets, all wrapped up in a bow. Like I said before, and I'm going to bring it up again, this draft was about drafting finishers. This was about getting guys to win you games when the game is close, when it's the end, when you have a lead and you need to put that other team in the dirt. And it's what the Jets couldn't do in 2022. And if they did it one or two more times, maybe they would have been a playoff team. You know what game, Matt, you know what game really just completely and totally flipped and became the theme of this off season. It was Zach Wilson's benching in new England. Yeah. Their quarterback play was horrendous. Arguably the worst game played by any quarterback in the the NFL that started any game last season was horrible. They couldn't do anything on offense and it took a last second punt return touchdown to beat them. Need to finish they saw how last season ended and they said, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that doesn't happen again.
1: Yep. Whether it's a speedy edge rusher, that's going to take your quarterback out when we need him to most, whether it's a mountain of a center, that's going to finish runs, uh, whether it's a, another speed running back, that's uh, That's a home run threat that can, uh, that can, uh, Take the the top off of defense at any moment and late in games, (laughs) whether it's a speedy size safety cornerback that can play any position and uh, come in on sub packages and make a difference. All these guys, they all have very similar traits to finishing.
0: Yeah, and they're all great athletes and you're never going to go wrong betting on athleticism, at least in my book. All right, that does it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm sure as this summer goes along, we will have more and more breakdowns to do of this draft class, get to know them that much better. Look ahead towards this next season that is due to be very, very exciting. I saw something today that said the Jets season ticket sales and sweet ticket sales have jumped like 400% this uh, coming season with Aaron Rodgers now in tow. MetLife is going to be an absolute madhouse. I cannot wait to see it. Appreciate you guys for stopping by and tuning in. Matt, you know what to do. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Appreciate you guys stopping by one more time, and we will be back real, real soon. Bye-bye.